0: Welcome to Great Minds, and this is a treat. We have a guest who's near, but comes from afar. He's an old friend of ours, has been part of our Advertising Week APAC family since we launched in the great city of Sydney back in 2018. We were thrilled to have him here with us in New York this year at Advertising Week. And John, we bumped into each other quite a few times, which was a treat. Uh, And I'm I'm talking about uh, the president for US and multinational for Mutant X, our old pal John Citrus. So welcome, John.
1: Thank you, man. Great to be here talking to you. So,
0: John, you started out at one of the great firms, uh, originally out of Chicago, of course, in their Sydney office that was really an iconic place, founder led, and known in particular for great training. So mm. I'd love to start our conversation by going back to those early days at Leo Burnett in Sydney when you started as just a young trainee.
1: Trainee, yes, that was a long time ago. I was um, I was very fortunate to get a role as a, as a trainee with uh, what I didn't realize how special the company was, of course, until I was there, until I uh, was able to look back and realize what a great training ground that was. Back then you could only start as a trainee and you were You were moved through the various departments of course life was full service back then so the training was very holistic you got to see how all the component parts of our great industry actually worked together and uh it was very much one big team in service of one client so life was was much simpler um we didn't know it at the time but uh it was incredible training because uh, that holistic sort of background and, and upbringing served me very very well throughout my career as the industry fragmented and you had a
0: great run there about 17 years or or so mm. rising from a trainee to the corner office to talk mm-hmm. about that journey the growth of the business technology sort of just coming to the fore on sort of the back end of that initial yes. tenure but but give us some reflections on that that's a great run to begin a career 17 years.
1: Yeah, it was, look, I was very, I was lucky to work with a company that really valued loyalty and valued uh, training and valued moving people through an organization locally and globally based on what was good for them and good for the, good for the firm. So I always felt um, my next role was there. My next level of growth was there at, at the right time. And, and, and I was very loyal to the company because they were very loyal to me and that's why I moved through so many roles and, and eventually ended up in not just running the Australian business and moving on to Starcom, but global roles as well because I was always challenged and they were very, very, um, they were excellent about that. Um, I was you know, able to move through media into client service and eventually I then had to choose between the, the brand agency and the media agency as things as the industry split out. So that was the, I suppose, the major change when everything started to fragment into very, very specialised agency offerings versus the holistic full-service environment that I was, that I grew up in. But the technological journey has been crazy as well. Like when I started, it was typewriters. Um, you know, the, the personal computer was not a thing yet, let alone word processing. Um, you know, we were sending telexes. It was faxes and... And then, of course, you know, you move on to we had server rooms and mainframes and then it became PCs. And and then, of course, the internet was created. And I remember some very, very funny meetings with clients trying to educate them on what the internet was or the World Wide Web and what penetration it might have. And some of my decks that I still have from those days are hilarious um, in terms of what, what we were predicting and the level of cynicism and no, it'll never happen and nothing's ever going to change. And, of course, you know everything changed irrevocably and and the industry is unrecognizable today versus what it was 30 years ago.
0: It sure sure is. So you you tipped off where I wanted to go, which is you leapt to the media side uh, within Mm -hmm. the, the same corporate family. But John, reflect on that decision way back when, and you have the benefit of perspective to have split up creative and media. We've Mm -hmm. sort of seen those walls of Jericho, if you will, come back down today in many respects. Yes. Go back to the origin of that decision and uh, I'd love to get your reflections on that.
1: Well, we weren't the first to do it. Um, You know, back then media was being run by a great Jack clues and, you know, we were all very committed to the full service model because that's what we had grown up with. And we'd seen how powerful it was and we all enjoyed, you know, being with creatives and client service and researchers and everything, all in the same room, and and at the time, it just felt unimaginable that we would not want to work together that way. But um, you know, the world was moving on, and agencies like Kara and whatever were creating, um, you know, forcing the industry to sort of reevaluate, and and. To be fair, media did not always get the investment it deserved in the full service um, environment. And certainly we were the last people to present in any major client pitch and any major client presentation. So there was a feeling of always being the bridesmaid and never the bride. But even still, it was difficult for us to sort of split. Um, And I recall at the time we ran four different models across the network looking at what various models of separation might look like um and australia was one of those four test markets so we ran two parallel sort of tests in that market to see what leaving a separate division inside of lab and it would look like versus an independent you know media offering and in the end of the you know after about a year of testing the decision was made that you know stockholm would be created and it would roll out as a separate entity of of what was then Bcom3 globally and that's what happened but But at that time for me i had moved into a general management role you know running major clients through apac and um so i was then faced with that difficult decision of do i stay with a brand agency or a creative agency whatever you want to call what was left um, and not have media which i was very passionate about or do i move to media um, and then not be involved in you know brand strategy and creative strategy that i was equally passionate about so that was a very difficult decision, a very interesting tug of war between uh, my boss at the time and, and Jack Clues at the time, who took me aside and, and and convinced me that media was absolutely the future. And we had lots of great plans for investment and growing the Starcom brand. And I made the decision to move back to Starcom and, and run that uh, in Australia, help it launch and then ultimately move into global roles, which has been you know, one of the highlights of my career.
0: so i want to go back to jack because i i really have enormous respect and affection for him but let's touch on something else uh regionally one of the reasons why we brought advertising week down to sydney way back when is sydney and i think more broadly australia really punch above their weight globally in creative industry and in influence give Mm -hmm. us your perspective uh, on that john is that reputation warranted and were there things that you were doing back at Burnett and or Starcom that were sort of indicative of that? We were kind of got there first or, or just sort of led in a different way that was unique to us.
1: Yeah, look, uh, Burnett was always a very, well, it was client driven, you know, that all came from Leo himself. and. There was a very distinct culture. It was reinforced often and it was followed, you know, pretty religiously. We're all very proud to be part of that culture. And that famous when to take my name off the door video was played all the time. It was played in front of every major client meeting, every every major um, staff meeting. And we very much lived by the values that that Leo articulated way back, you know, way back in the thirties or whenever it was he started the agency. Uh, it was very real and it was very much a tribe of different people who were respected for their differences and respected for their different skill sets and everyone worked really hard but it was also a tremendous amount of fun and it was very collegiate um and very aligned in terms of what we're all there to do together um i think you know that was my first experience of culture eating strategy in culture banking it really was very very distinctive so we We were always there to back each other, so that was tremendously um, important. But then we we were prepared to innovate. I remember the most distinctive thing we did as things were getting interesting is we created brand teams back in Australia, which, you know, was the radical idea that all the creatives didn't sit together and all the media guys didn't sit together and all the client service guys didn't sit together. But we clustered in what were the first client teams where we had the various disciplines sitting with each other and, and, you know, working physically in collaboration as well as um you know in the notion of being working on a client so so that was in its day quite radical and and i think tremendous contributed tremendously to to our success back then in the must have been the 90s i suppose when that was happening um yeah and of course then you know when media split off that all changed again and then there was more innovation required and more different things to work out and ways of working but but Australia as a as a as a nation, I suppose, because we grew up with that very, very holistic crossfit mentality, um, we were able to appreciate the impact that what we did might have on other people in, internally and also in clients, that helped. But we also had a hunger to be innovative and to sort of try different things. And because we were a smaller market, not less sophisticated, but smaller, we were I suppose we were able to sort of tear things away and sort of try new things. And then we became a little bit of a laboratory for scaling stuff globally. I mean, I, I love taking on that role in Australia and sort of being doing skunk work, if you like, for the global network. And ultimately that's how I ended up being moving into global roles and being offered global roles, setting up product and strategy, because so much of the, you know, the new thinking had been tried and tested in Australia.
0: Uh, that's a great answer. So, John, you did rise as you just tipped to global roles, but had some great people along the way to guide you. One of them you mentioned earlier. Can we talk a little more about Jack Clues? Such a terrific guy.
1: Mm-hmm. He was a terrific guy. Jack was um, well. He's a great leader. i was still in touch with Jack, um, and frankly, most senior people that work with Jack are still in touch with Jack because because he did have such a profound influence on them and. And again, he was a real people-led cultural leader. Like he espoused the values of Leo as much as anybody did, and in many ways, those values were taken through into Starcom and what became Starcom Media Group and eventually Key and all the other manifestations. That that culture stayed um, with the new organisation as as it morphed, and the tribe sort of changed. TP, but it didn't. The nature of the tribe didn't change, and so much of that was was down to Jack. Um, you know he's a great nurturer of talent he was always the last person to leave a bar you know he very much um believed in being with the team and uh you know socializing with the team and supporting each other he always had time he was always available um which was extraordinary given you know eventually that huge role within publicist that he moved into kept him very very busy globally but he always had time for people and um, you know, those values cascaded down through the organization. And I still, I still like to think I live those values today. Great,
0: great, great reflections. And I uh, was lucky enough to spend some good time with them. Yahoo used to run when Jerry Yang, the founder, was there. Their big corporate event was in Pebble Beach. And for a mm-hmm. number of years, I ran that for them. And it was all their best clients. And Jack and his wife would always come. And uh, he was right. an e- he was an easy guy to want to look after, you know, extra special.
1: Oh well, Beth's great too. Like you know, it was they were a great team,
0: yeah, and yeah. they
1: supported each other. And the fact that so many of the people in the company knew her as well, I think, is testament to what a great partnership that's uh, been. Uh,
0: absolutely. So, John, uh, along that journey from trainee to uh, leading in your home nation to leading globally, great brands between. Burnett and Mm -hmm. Starcom and Publicis, ultimately IPG media brands as well. Mm -hmm. You you Mm -hmm. worked on some great, great pieces of business. Are there any particular clients or projects looking back over that big body of work that you remember completely in a different way, either because something went really
1: right or maybe because something went a little sideways? Oh, that's a... Excellent question. It's a bit like asking someone to choose between their children. It's, um, there are just I'm, so I'm gi- many. I'm giving you a chance to say a least favorite <laughs> yeah, also, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. I, yeah. Well, that's also, that's also challenging to look, to look, there have been, there have been incredible highs and, and bodies of work that I'm super proud of and there have been, um, you know, agency life is challenging as you know, and there have been some, Horrible noise. I think I think because it's such a personal business. And you know, if you're any good at this industry, I think you're good at it because you put so much of yourself into it. And you are you become personally vested with clients, many clients around the world. That I'm still very, very good friends with today. Um, and your it's your own thoughts and expressions and ideas and those of your peers around you that are put into pictures and brand recommendations and whatever. And when they get accepted and when you win to use that word, it is the most euphoric sort of feeling in the world. And when you lose or when you're not selected, it, it's you know, it's like a personal rejection, and that's very, very difficult to um, to cope with as well. So it has absolutely been a roller coaster in every sense of the word. The I suppose the um, what I'm proud of of most is where we took clients on a journey from call it mediocrity to to you know greatness sounds like i'm i'm bragging but you know to where to a level where their credit creativity increased where their business impact increased and where you had a tangible impact on the way they work and the sort of work they produced um you know if i had to pick a client um globally off the top of my head you know the mars relationship for me was really really special that was a client i worked on out of australia and ultimately worked on globally that were not really in any shape to win awards um, or to have their work recognized creatively or in a media sense when we first started working with them. And then, you know, some, I don't know, 10 years or so later, I was one of, I think only five agency people that were on a boat in Cannes um, after Bruce McCall at the time, the global CMO had accepted the Cannes, you know, marketer of the year award. And to have been on that journey over that period and to have helped them to get to that level of, um, of creative and media excellence is something that I reflect on really fondly. But But it's all those stories where you've worked with people, where you've made a purposeful difference, where you've been able to influence an organisation, not just in a country, but across, you know, vast geographies. And where people come up to you and just say, you know, thank you for helping us to think differently and helping us to... To do things we didn't even know were possible, you know, for our teams. Um, yeah, they're the they're the reflections that I think that I'm that I'm really proud of.
0: Early to the Hall of Fame, still a young man, uh, back in your home mm-hmm. country. It it all adds up. It's a great story, John. Uh, so Thank let's you. talk up. Let's talk about this most recent chapter and an evolution yeah. beyond the big <clears throat> corporate agency and start to make our way to the present day.
1: Mm -hmm. So yes, my current role, um, I commenced with an Australian SaaS company called Mutinex um, earlier this year. And, you know, it's difficult. You think, what do you do when you've done so much in your career and you've been so blessed to sort of have the roles that you have and the experiences that you have globally? How do you, how do you, leverage that experience and turn it into something that's actually relevant for today and where the industry is going. So the reason this made sense to me is I've always been obsessed with the value we create and getting recognised for the value that marketing and marketers create in terms of growth and and driving uh, revenue and the bottom line. And this was a company that really wanted to innovate in marketing ROI and really to help marketers quantify the value they create in real time. Globally, um, and this is what the ambition of the company is to to definitively move media from a cost center to a to a growth and investment center, and to try and fix lots of these measurement and mat- attribution issues we've had, you know, once and for all by using the very latest in cloud computing and technology to deliver what is sorely in- you know needed for the industry, not just in one market but across the world. So, so it's a big, hairy, audacious goal which is something I'm always interested in doing. Um, it's new technology, which is something I'm always keen to learn about. But ultimately it's about helping the industry that I love prove itself out, get the respect it uh, it should have in, you know, with the C-suite and in boardrooms. Um, so that's why I'm so excited to be, to be in the back in the U S and helping to scale out this outstanding platform.
0: And we were thrilled to have you, uh, on our studio channel at Advertising Week, and you spoke a lot about sort of the unique aspects of Mm -hmm. what you're bringing to the table for brands in particular. Can we peel a couple layers off that onion, John? Absolutely.
1: Um, It it is all about solving client pain points at the end of the day. I mean, you know, technology is irrelevant if it doesn't actually serve a a, a real purpose. Um, And the sort of problems that we're we're solving are how do we get holistic measurement across all of our marketing activities but get it in real time and that's what really what's been missing you have had this desire to be agile and optimize in real time and plan uh, conduct business planning in real time but lots of the ways we're measuring and modeling what is successful are slow um, very expensive difficult to scale across brands and and territories, and sort of aren't delivering what we need to make real-time investment decisions. So that's the, you know, that's the gap that we're trying to bridge. And and the fact that we have produced a time-varying model that actually can pick up what's happening in and around our environment quickly, um, uh, depending on how you ingest data every two to four weeks, is really a major shift because we all know how crazy the world is we're you know heading now into recessionary headwinds as everybody is talking about every day we have you know a political environment that changes all the time we have uh well economic factors that are changing all the time with inflation and wars and everything else that's happening um and com- competition is fast and the world continues to fragment really really quickly how do you respond to that in real time you know doing a model once a year isn't sort of enough anymore you need you need to be able to look at that at least monthly, so that you can be nimble and agile. So that's the biggest need I think that we're fulfilling. But um, we've also delivered it in a uh, in a in a dynamic live platform. So we're democratizing ROI data, if you like, so that the people that need the information in real time can access it as simply as you know accessing a website. And everything is in the cloud, obviously privacy protected and password protected and permissions, et cetera. Um, so, you know, you're sitting in an airport, you're sitting in a boardroom, you're sitting in your office, you're sitting in your home office, you can access the information you need to um, and interrogate it any way you need to across a brand, a product, a market, uh, a global remit, um, and get access to the data you need, you know, at your fingertips. And and that for me is is liberating and really, really exciting.
0: So, John, you've obviously had a tremendous global experience, but this is a little bit different, bringing an Mm -hmm. offering uh, across a couple of oceans in this case. Uh, Talk about that challenge. You've been here, camped out in America for a while, building Mm -hmm. the business. Talk about that journey of launching something here in the U.S. that's pretty cutting edge.
1: Yeah, well, look, that's the... I've never started a business from scratch in the US before, which is why this was, um, you know, appealing as well. Um, but I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have a product that my experience and my network told me is necessary and, and valuable. So I felt very confident coming to the market that we would find an audience. Um, because my experience working across global markets are the pain points are consistent around the world. I mean, the sorts of data you ingest and how you ingest it might change and what the labels might be, but the pain points are consistent and the you know the way marketing needs to be valued and assessed is consistent so um you know i was confident coming in here and certainly across the, the various meetings i've had um there is a need for this product but you know let's be honest the incumbency is is big um and the status quo is always difficult to shift in any market and people have long-standing relationships with existing Suppliers, so you know it's 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 difficult for a disruptor of course to come in and, and get attention with limited scale right now and limited funding but you start the meetings and you start to you know we've already got clients coming on board we've got 25 clients in australia so that business is going great this we're now starting to get our us our us clients on board which is terrific and you know as they slowly start to use the platform and start to advocate it will grow because. The product ultimately delivers, and and I'm super confident that we're going to be sitting here in a year's time, having made uh, a market difference in the marketplace.
0: Well, the proof is in the pudding, uh, and I'm not the least bit surprised you're having success. Uh, and uh, we're with you everywhere you go, John. We we have a one John centrist minimum, uh, <laughs> and uh, thrilled to be able to have you on Great Minds and talk about what you're doing now and talk yeah. a little about your journey. Uh, it's always good to get to bring up uh, great mutual people in our lives like Jack and yeah. continuing to wish you every success.
1: Thank you, Matt. Well, obviously the support over the years has been tremendous and we, I personally appreciate it. And so does, so does MutantX now as we embark on on creating the new future.